0: go get it.
1: Hello and welcome to Digging Deep, our podcast. I'm Roberta Walker. And I'm Michael Glassman. We are landscape designers that have been in the business,
0: let me tell you, well over 25 years. We're also friends. And so we came together with the idea of making a podcast of information and stories.
1: In stories, yeah. We've both been in the field for quite a long time, as Michael said, and we've seen a lot. We've seen the good, the bad, the ugly, and we want to share with you the information that we know about. So if you are planning on having a landscape put in, doing it yourself, we're going to help guide by the information we give you. Exactly, and
0: part of the stories are some of our successes and certainly our failures. And It makes you, by understanding that even professionals have failures, it makes you understand that um, it's not always, it, it, it doesn't always go perfect.
1: It doesn't always go perfect. And what we're gonna talk about today is drainage. Um, across, across the globe, actually, we've had um, really disastrous weather things going on. But um, in our neck of the woods in California, we finally got the rain that we've been so dearly needed, needing for um, quite a few years. However, our first rain was a cyclone rain. Exactly. And um, when that happens, um, drainage is so important. And I would say that in, the lands, in landscaping, your very first, most important thing you can do is address your drainage.
0: I agree. And it's not pretty, it's not sexy. It's not something that people come over to your house and you want to take them to see their drain your drainage system because trust me, they're not going to be impressed. <laughs> and then come over and go, Oh my God, that is the most beautiful drainage system I've ever seen. And oh, I wish I had that. But That's it is <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But it is the thing that will save you more money in the long run and more grief and aggravation. Um, than any other aesthetic thing that you can do in your landscape.
1: That's true. A lot of the older houses, um, they have gutters and attached to the gutters are downspouts. And for whatever reason, back when they were put in, the downspouts just flowed out over whatever surface was below there, whether it was dirt or if it was a concrete walkway. And um, that is not the way to keep water away from your house, which is the most important thing is keeping water away from your house. If it sits it does all kinds of damage to the siding. You might have mold underneath. And if you have some of the fabulous 40 houses, which in Sacramento, uh, our our streets were developed along the years. So the gold rush was old town. And then, you know, first street, second street, but when we got to the 20s. Those are the 1920s homes, 30s, 30s, 40s, 40s. However, many of them have basements and nobody addressed the drainage and so very often they flood especially in a cyclone that we had
0: and that's true in fact i was talking to a friend of mine uh this afternoon that they were doing um they're doing renovation they're doing the inside of their house and the contractor just notified them because of the rains um that they're getting standing water sitting underneath the foundation of the house in the basement and that's problematic because not only does that can that cause mold but it also um can wick up into the foundation and into the walls of the house so it's really really important that 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 water is addressed and where and what you do with the water is addressed
1: right and um if you do have an older home where the downspout is just emptying at the base of the downspout um very often well if if I'm doing a landscape design and if that concrete walkway is coming out, we will put what's called an ABS drain. It's a flexible black drain. You might have seen it. it looks like kind of like an accordion and we'll hook it up to the downspout and run it across and under and then out the yard. So it's not flowing all over the sidewalk or in the mud at the base of the of the downspout. If you have concrete and it's staying, that concrete can be saw cut you could, you know, saw cut ten inches and then run the drain as well. But I would do anything in your, you know, possible range to get the water away from the house and out of the yard. Absolutely. And the one thing that for those people that may
0: I and I know exactly what she's talking about and, and a lot of you might, but let me just kind of clarify for a few things. You have a roof the roof drains into a gutter. That's the, the the thing at the edge of the roof. The The gutter drains into a pipe that's called the downspout. So a lot of times people go, well, what's a downspout? I don't understand what you're talking about. So you just have to remember that downspout is connected to the gutter, which is connected to the roof, and all the water that's coming off your roof is going into the gutter and that gutter is then going into the downspout so you're going to get you can if you have got a lot of roof you're going to get a tremendous amount of water going into that gutter and coming down that downspout
1: right and if you had the idea of putting a 50 or 60 gallon rain barrel at the base i'm here to tell you there's thousands of gallons of water coming off the roof and that's not enough so um you know, it's a wonderful idea to trap water, especially in an area like ours um, called rain harvesting. But the problem is, at least in our very dry summers, is we get the rain in the winter. And to store that amount of water, because I've put in a 10,000 gallon system, and um, basically that water was enough just to water their 25 foot square garden. So you don't wanna just stick a rain barrel underneath that downspout because when we have rains like we've been having, they'll overflow and there'll be water everywhere. Exactly. So
0: now there's, there, so there's certain types of drainage that you want to address in, in certain places. So as Roberta mentioned, connecting your downspouts to um, a drain line and taking it out away from the foundation of your house. If you already, if you have a situation where um, the ground around the foundation of your house is is sloping back to your house so that the water will then again, and it's not necessarily from the downspout, it's just from the way your lot has been graded, the water is going back towards the foundation of your house. You're gonna have to look at putting in what's called a French drain. And what a French drain is, is a, a piece of pipe, three or four inch, that's perforated means there's holes in it you la you wrap that in a landscape fabric so the holes don't clog up with soot and um dirt and then you lay that making sure that it's always at a negative slope meaning water will only flow downhill it's not going to flow uphill it flows downhill and then you cover over that um french drain that that um drain pipe that's that's got landscape fabric with drain rock so that any water that then goes towards the foundation of your house will then go into the French drain and that French drain is then connected to another drain line that then then directs the water somewhere else, like at the street, like at a, um, a, a field or something. You wanna get the water away from the foundation of your house. So that's one kind of drainage, it's called the French drain.
1: Well, wait a minute. So if you're putting in a French drain, remember, it's not going to work unless it's graded downhill okay right. so right. when we say downhill you don't need a hill you need at least a quarter inch per foot of drop right. okay so that means so- again water will not flow uphill
0: it will only flow downhill so as long as it's constantly flowing down at a at a slope you'll be able to get the water and the one misconception is if you have for example, a foundation or roots and the pipe has to go over something, then it'll back up. So it always has to be on a downward slope.
1: Yes. And um, several, well, it's been a few years now, but for several years, I my pro bono work was for Habitat for Humanity. And the homes that they built and I landscaped were LEED certified, which means leader in energy and um, efficiency design. Anyway, they're the most efficient houses. and we got an extra point to get this LEED certification by taking the drainage midway into the yard, not all the way out to the gutter on the street, because that way the water can penetrate, permeate into the earth, which is really important. So um, don't just, you know, take it all the way out and get rid of it. It could go into your landscape. And if you have areas, let's say they're low spots or whatever, a cobble stream is a wonderful way to hide a drain.
0: And that's kind of a dry creek bed. In fact, um, I did a consultation just a day ago where we were out in Wilton. That was kind of a rural area past um, in South Sacramento. And what they had, and they didn't know it until they just bought the house, was the whole back of the property um, has... Um, and it rained, it's all, it looks like a big stream in the back of the property. And it undulates and it goes from narrow, meaning about 18 inches, to three feet. And everything kind of flows in one direction. What I basically explained to them is what they need to do is when it dries out, they actually can make that into a dry. Creek bed, meaning you'll dig that area out, making sure that it always has a negative slope so that it flows flows downhill. You'll take that area and it, can, it doesn't have to be just a trench. It can actually look like a meandering stream. You'll la- line it with landscape cloth, again, cloth that will so it doesn't fill up with dirt and soot. You'll put different size boulders and rocks, a six inch rock a three inch rock a two inch all randomly placed the big boulders you use wherever you want to change the direction and then you would would take that along the back of the property and then at the lowest part because they don't have a place to drain the water you would actually build what's called a french a a dry well and a dry well is a big hole in the ground i suggested six feet deep by six feet wide Um, and you again line it either with fabric or you line it with plywood, exterior plywood, fill it with drain rock, and then all that water will go into that well, there's no bottom to it, and it'll percolate down into the aquifer, into the the lower uh, uh, levels where the water should be stored. And what'll happen is, it'll just look like a natural stream, but in the wintertime when it
1: rains, you'll actually see water rustling through like a creek. Right. You know, um, actually, the new code for Sacramento City is a seven by 20 foot pit. And um, it's not just digging a pit. You have to retain the walls because, you know, what happens when all the water dumps in there? You know, it'll just become a mushy pond. So you are actually doing a pit in there where the water could drop. And um, if you don't have any flow, let's say everything is flat, then you're going to dig a smaller pit like, Michael was describing, but you may very well have to put in a sump pump.
0: Exactly. That was the next thing that I was going to mention was for people that so the so the water, if we don't get a lot of rain, you know, the water goes in there and then it percolates down. But if you get a deluge, as we said, we had an atmospheric river or a cyclone river of water, there were six to seven inches that water is not going to percolate down. That's just going to flood. So what you do is you actually run an, an, um, an exterior um, electric line with a GFI ground fault interrupter so that if something happened, it would, wouldn't electrocute you with a waterproof box. And then in the middle of a rainstorm, if we're starting to get 10 inches of water, six inches of water, and that dry well is filling up, what you would actually do is get a sump pump, you would drop it into the dry well, connect it to a a hose, plug that in, and then that would drain, that would literally suck up that excess water and send it through the hose out to the street or a storm drain or something like that. So it's always good to have, especially if you have a flat lot where there's no positive drainage, um, I would always put in an electrical outlet for a sump pump.
1: And that's an immersible sump pump. There are others that, that stay on land. And before, when I said the, um, the pit, it, it was seven feet long, uh, seven feet wide by tw- 20 feet long. And it was, um, I don't know, maybe four feet or if you want to go six feet. But anyway, that's very extreme. So, um, but again, Nothing except fire can damage your house. Well, of course, there's an earthquake and tornadoes and all that. But what we can do as homeowners is take care of the drainage. It's so important. I'm sure you know that. And I'm sure that after a big rain, you see these puddles. But if you see the, you know, when you see these puddles, that's your indication where your low spot is. Right. Oh.
0: And the bottom line is, again, another kind of drainage, besides the dry creek bed, the, the French drain, would be area drains. And if, for those of you that don't know what an area drain is, think about your drain in your shower. You know, it's, it's got a grade over the top and the water goes down there. Well, that's what's called an area drain. And those can, should be put into the lawn areas. Those should be put also into your planting areas so that if you get low spots, even though you can try to regrade, the water will then flow into that area drain. That area drain will be connected to a drain line. And that's again taken out to where you're draining all the rest of the property. I also, it's very important that you don't just have one drain line to handle the whole whole yard. I usually tell people to do three or four of them so that if there's ever a problem and one backs up, you've got a backup system, you've got another drain line so that you don't hook up all your area drains and your downspouts and your French drains to just one drain line. Because again, if it if it backs up, you flood out. But if you have the area drains on one drain line, the French drains on a separate drain line, and then the downspouts on another drain line, you have backup systems.
1: You do. Now, all the newer, and newer means it could be 20 plus years, homes that are built, they all drain with a U-shaped drain that goes out their front. Really? I don't even think it's legal to drain your drains into your neighbor's yard. It is isn't. <laughs> it is
0: illegal, you're right.
1: It is illegal, it has to go out the front. But um, we've talked about the area drain and we've talked about the French drain. Now if there's, if, let's say you have a hill in the back or a slope, at the base of that slope with water running down, you may want to create a V ditch. You know, a ditch that's, um, imagine a V, okay? That's graded with the sides at an angle and in some of the developments they put concrete down in, in those um, V-ditches so that if you're at the base of a slope or if you're at the lower end of a lot of other homes along the row, it's going to take a lot to get the water out. So a V-ditch, um, I once had a client where the soil was right up against the house about three feet up, and I said, and of course, he always had problems with water. So we created a, a small V-ditch with drains everywhere else, but that was the last gap. And again, it could be filled with small cobble, doesn't have to look bad. In fact, it's a good idea to keep a good 18 inches of just cobble against your house all the way around. So you have, you know, a dry area or somewhere, you know, the, the water can percolate. So um, it doesn't have to look bad. Like Michael said, no, it's not sexy, but it is, I think the most important step before you put in the landscape. Absolutely.
0: And I have seen horror stories, in fact, in, in um, several instances where drainage has been so bad. One situation was I actually was was called as a witness to testify because what had happened was um, there was a neighbor and the neighbor um, had they had a share. Uh, it was called a zero lot line. What that means is that one person's house is the property line of the other person. So um, that the houses abut to each other. They don't have a fence separating. The house itself is the property line. There are no windows on that side. It's just a bearing wall. If you can imagine, it was siding. Well, one of the neighbors wanted to kind of create a raised planter. Well, that's great if it's separate, if you have a space between the raised planter and the neighbor's house. But what they did was they just piled dirt up against the neighbor's house oh. and made at a 2 to 3 foot uh, berm against that and planted it out and the neighbor that I was working with what happened was this is that wall that blank wall, you know, that abuts the neighbor's house, happens to be where their master bedroom and um, bathroom and closet was. And they kept smelling mold and they kept smelling this real weird odor. Well, when they finally got an inspector out there and they got the uh, contractor out there, they found that all along that wall had rotted out because basically the neighbor had put dirt and, and wet and everything and it all had seeped into the the plywood, all of the stucco, everything, and the whole side of the house, that whole side of the house where the bedroom was, the bathroom was um, literally molded. So what had to happen was, it was a major lawsuit and it was a major problem. They had to come back in, they had to take that whole wall apart, they had to re-sheetrock it, they had to come on the other side, take the berm out, leave a space, put drainage along there. It was hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of damage, all because there was no drainage and people thought, oh, I can just mound right up against the house, you know, and and I don't have to worry because the house was stuccoed. Well, that stucco doesn't keep water away. All it does is look pretty and the water all just seeped in and just destroyed that whole side of the house. So drainage can cost thousands in terms of no drainage hundreds of thousands of dollars can be can um you all have to pay because of a drainage problem
1: right you know if you really look at the base of homes you'll see that there's a if it's you know if there's a concrete slab and that's usually well it used to be four to six inches It's eight or more inches now before the stucco starts right it's it 's called the weep screen a weep screen and and you don 't want to put soil you can 't i mean it 's really not it 's not legal, but you know not everyone has their landscapes inspected but um, you 've got to keep soil down below that. The plants can grow higher, but their roots are in the ground, but the soil shouldn 't because think about it you 're watering right you 're watering in the summer or you have rain that 's going to stay moist all the time. So if it hits that stucco, it's just gonna be sucked up. Now, another thing about uh, zero lot lines, if you have a zero lot line, and there's a lot of them in our area, and um, sometimes that zero lot line is someone's garage, you know, a back garage in the older homes. And if you're thinking to grow a vine on it or do a mural, you can't, it's not yours. <laughs> so. If you want to put something up, let's say a trellis or a screen, you could build it, but build it a few inches away from that wall and screen it. And if you want to do a mural, same thing, a few inches away, get your plywood right. out, but do not paint on their wall, even though it's your backyard. It's zero. Lot lines are kind of a, a funny thing. So, um, but you- and I have to tell you a funny story, which goes that.
0: back to one of our last podcasts. We were talking about- um, this was two or three ones ago, uh, the climbing vines. Right. Okay. Well, I just want to say this, cause this is kind of interesting. Um, you know, the, the imagery, the, the storybook look of having vines growing all over your house, the rock cu- your house has stone on it and you have creeping fig or you have a climbing rose or you have bougainvillea growing on there. It's just, the image is absolutely wonderful. And I, and, and I love it, except so. In my house recently, I had in the front of my house, um, I had in between the garages, I had planters and I planted that and I thought that would be great. And because it's a southern exposure, which means it gets full hot sun, I planted bougainvillea Where for those of you that know, it blooms, it's gorgeous. And I was growing it, it was thriving and everything. And I thought this great idea, I'll train it to go up up on either side of the garage doors and kind of wrap around so it's almost like an arch and it would almost go right to this, to where the roof starts. And so it would be my whole front of the garage because I hate the fact that the front of my house is, has these garages in the front, would all be vine covered. And it was growing and it was thriving and it was doing great until recently we heard in the attic, visitors.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. So we, of course, got the people out there to look and see what was in the attic, and it was rats and and mice. And the first thing he did was he said, I'm sorry, but I have to tell you, your bougainvillea has to be cut down. You can't have it any higher than, say, where the garage door is. It can't go up into the roof. It can't go around around the garage door, all this romance and everything, because what you've done is you've created a ladder where yeah. <laughs> the rats and the mice were going up. And the only hole that they found was right in the front of the garage, there's this little, um, it's, a, it's a vent. And that was where, so to make a long story short or short story long, um, I cut down the bougainvillea. It's now only six feet tall and they set traps and everything, and they ne- the- we haven't caught anything. There's been no sounds, there's been nothing caught in the attic, because the minute I cut down the bougainvillea, basically, I'd cut down their ladder. They weren't living there. Every morning, they were going up the ladder, going, eating, congregating. They were probably having services in there. And then when they, when it w- they got tired, they would climb down the ladder and go do their thing. So the minute I cut down the bougainvillea, there was no way to get into the attic, So the the rats and the mice disappeared. We didn't have to trap any because we've set out traps. It's now been a month and we haven't gotten one trap, one sound, one anything now that their ladder has gone away. So it's really changed the way I look at these vine-covered cottages I'm looking at and I'm thinking, yes, and what visitors are living in that roof?
1: Right. You know, ivy is famous for rats, not even on a vine, even on the ground. And um, if you grow grapes, you are going to have visitors. So, again, you want to keep grapes away from the house, even though it's romantic looking to have big hanging bunches of grapes, you know, along your trellis, let's say over your dining, outdoor dining area. These, these you know, these critters like to be in these places. So, um, yeah, that was part of the vine thing. And I'm sorry to hear that, Michael. And I'm sorry to hear that your dreams were dashed of having bougainvillea because it, it is very beautiful um bougainvillea also has large spikes so you have to be careful with that as well exactly so going back that was
0: just a little story that i thought i'd throw in there
1: for the uh, last
0: podcast and uh, a night crazy. before
1: christmas and nothing was stirring except in your <laughs> your attic in my,
0: in my attic yeah and it was very weird because you You could sit upstairs, and all of a sudden you heard this scurrying, then you heard this gnawing, then you had the sound, and there was quite a lot of activity
1: It's just the worst, isn't it when you're feeling like you're nice and secure and dry in your home, and either you hear dripping after a rain or you hear scurrying in the walls it's It's not good, so well, that wasn't aside, but we were talking about zero lot lines and um if you're going to trellis anything, you do it um away from their garage and um, also away from your garage as well. Yes, yes. Well, I can't think of any other um, types of drains. I guess I will mention that if you've got retaining walls, Um, You definitely want to drain at the base of them, and sometimes we we drain at the top of them as well, if you have terraces, you know. Um, Right,
0: and the top is where a lot of times where they'll put the V drain that you were talking about. And Mm -hmm. at the bottom of the retaining wall is where they'll usually put a French drain so that any water coming down will go into... That, that rock area where the perforated pipe is. And again, that's connected to another drain and, and takes the water off. So you don't throw additional pressure onto that retaining wall that'll eventually blow the retaining wall away.
1: Right, right. These, so these are important things. And you probably, you know, a lot of people think, oh, I'm going to make the landscape really pretty and they'll start buying plants without planning. And that's what Michael and I do. We, you know, In our design, underneath all the pretty stuff, is the bones, it's it's what makes that landscape work and keep your house safe and um, keep everything draining. So I hope this is helpful and has been helpful for you. Yes, stay dry,
0: we're, stay- we're hoping for more rain but at the same time we don't want rain coming into our homes.
1: That's right, we have, dra- we have rain all next week and hopefully it's gonna fill our rivers. But we wish you the happiest of holidays and- um, Absolutely. And and the best new year, let's hope we can get this um, COVID under control and, you know, go back to a new type of life. I'm not saying go back to normal, there's no normal anymore. But anyway, we wish you happy holidays and a happy new year.
0: Absolutely. And we wish you a very, very um, successful new year. And we'll be back with Digging
1: Deep. Digging Deep, I'm Roberta Walker. I'm Michael Glassman. Thank you.